0: enjoys, settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix please put your hands together and make a little
2: noise, for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco
0: boys ooh Bosco's boys come on boys okay, testing
1: alright, ABC 123 that's good, howdy Hello? Hello. You weren't watching the levels. I saw. I mean, you okay. Are Hello. we good? Yeah, it looks good. Good afternoon. Okay, perfect. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, still technically morning. It's afternoon somewhere. All right, I can cut all this crap out. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe not. Okay,
2: yeah. <laughs> We're the Bosco Boys. The Bosco's Boys podcast. We're in the dad pod. Special Father's Day podcast. How's it going, fellas? It's
3: going great. It's going well. Introduce yourselves. Now, my name is Kevin McFarland. I am Scott's dad.
1: I am Malcolm Copeland. I am Grant's father. and And it's yeah. the podcast. you know, I think uh, one mm. of the very first episodes we had we we just were randomly talking about summer ideas. and I think the idea of Dad Pod came there, and you know it's working out that we're going to be able to drop this mm. hopefully right on Father's Day. Uh, we're coming to mm. you live from Topeka, Kansas. At a place that our dedicated listeners will know very well, it's the premier brewery in Northeast Kansas, Happy Bassett Brewery. Grant, you and I both, uh, you know, we we went up to the bar. We have a beer. What beer do we have today?
2: We have the Mangoes. Mangoza. 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 It's a mango, what, German sour style beer? A
1: mango-goza. Yeah, there
2: you go. (laughs) That's what it is. Um, Yeah, this place is very near and dear to my heart. Probably my second favorite brewery in existence behind just behind you know what but we won't mention that because happy Bass getting in the spotlight today and that's that you yep. of the pod so
1: yeah and then the other spotlight is going to go to our wonderful dads i think two of our first listeners uh you know i'm looking forward to this we uh came up with some good topics to chat about yesteryear of k-state sports the boneheads came through with some good questions and uh i think let's just dive into it uh going to reminisce on some memories. I think each of you, I'd love to hear how, when, why, and when did your Wildcat fandom begin?
3: Well, that's, that's pretty easy for me. Uh, my father, Arvid McFarland, uh, he got his master's degree in uh, education at K-State probably back in the early 60s, maybe late 50s. And uh, from that point on, we were a K-State household. Uh, so my earliest memories of college sports was that of being a K-State fan. Uh, I remember with my uh, brother Larry, we would huddle around a transistor radio listening to K-State uh, basketball games. That was really the first uh, first memory of really being a K-State fan was listening to basketball games. It really hit another level when uh, my oldest brother, Steve, Went to K State in 1971. I was like 11 years old at that time, and that's when we first started going to Manhattan and actually attending K State uh, games. As a family, we'd always go to one football game and one basketball game during the year. And uh, so that's really some of those early. Uh, spectator sport experiences that I had at K-State and then my brother Larry, who was only three years older than I, he went to K-State and that's when I really started going to K-State and attending games more frequently than when he was in uh, a K-Stater and I was in high school so uh, I kind of got a little bit of mischief in those days uh, but uh, I won't dwell on those but, uh, uh, but But that's really where it started with me, was was my dad and then both my brothers ahead of me.
4: Now with me, Grant's father, it was a little different because my dad went to KU and I was a gymnast at Topeka High School and it came down to either me going to KU to do gymnastics or K-State to do gymnastics. And for some reason I chose K-State and went my first year and i walked on and made the traveling squad and i am actually a varsity letterman from k-state in gymnastics now several years later they closed the program but i have some good memories of that that freshman year and after that freshman year i then tried out and became a yell leader and so i was a yell leader at k-state from 73 74 and 74 75 and that's really when it got in my blood that's when I began. A, well, I shouldn't say a hatred for KU, but when I was younger, right yes, there ahead. was a hatred for KU. I I will tell the the truth, though. As I've gotten older, I've mellowed out a little bit. But we won't get into that. But that's that's mainly what uh, got me going on uh, my my fandom, I guess. Yeah,
1: well, you know, those are some great stories. So that's how it started. How has it lasted through these years? Because I think Grant and I both can attest, you both are great case staters It's lasted through the years. You guys, neither one of you look your age, so it doesn't look like it's been as long. But it truly, thank you, thank you. But, but it truly has, you know, it's lasted, you know, 30, 40 years, uh, your diehard yeah. fandom. How has it kept strong within you over all these years? Well, for me, uh, growing up in
3: a uh, small rural town in Kansas, Osborne, Kansas. Uh, when I first attended a K-State basketball game in the early to mid-70s, I was just blown away by the experience of big-time college basketball and Ahern uh, Arena in the Fieldhouse. Uh, that left such an impression on me uh, because that was really big-time basketball in those days. Uh, we had, we had teams that went deep into the postseason tournament. It was the beginning of Lon Kruger's uh, team, uh, career at, at Kansas State University. You know, a nice small town Kansas boy. Uh, you had guys like, uh, we were, Malcolm and I were talking uh, prior to starting here about some of the, the great K-State basketball players in the, uh, in the early 70s. We had some players. And we had some excellent teams, of course, led by the legendary Jack Hart. Yes. Uh, but when that happened, I was a K K-Stater forever. And then, you know, throughout the throughout the years, the evolution of uh, over the years of, of basketball uh, and then football as well. I mean, it just was something you did. Whether they were a good team, a great team, or a poor team, as football became in the 1980s. Uh, you just went to the games. And when I was small, uh, just a kid and my, my oldest brother started going, he started feeding me some good K-State gear, vintage K-State <laughs> gear, and I just loved to wear that to, to school, and uh, that just that just meant a lot to me.
4: With with me, I think it was, as I said, becoming a Yale leader, it just got in my blood. And uh, it's funny, you say, why has it lasted? Back in the days when I was an early K-State fan, football was not uh, a winner, I guess is the best (laughs) way to put it. Football did not win. That's being nice about it. Yes. But the interesting thing, it was loyalty, and I think it was the hope of a sports fan. Even though we were poor in football, you always hope that somehow we're going to get that good recruiting class or... And on the other hand, when we have fell off during the years of Asbury and Woolridge in basketball, I still remember the great days of the early 70s that Kevin was talking about. And so you have hope that surely we can turn it around. So I think that's why I stayed a K-State fan
1: because, you know, I bleed purple.
2: That's why anyone stays a fan, I guess. Yeah, once it's in
1: you, you know, it's kind of hard to bleed it out.
2: We can throw it back. We can actually probably chime in for this next question, all four of us, and throw it back to even further. But also, this is more of a concrete answer. What is your first memory as a K State fan?
3: Well, as I said earlier, I you know when I was a, a kid in Osborne, Kansas, listening to. K State basketball games, you know, over a transistor radio. I mean, we didn't go to a lot of games, but when we first started going to a game a year, when my uh, brother Steve was was up at K State, it was really those uh, early basketball games in Ahern. Uh, it left it left such an impression on me, and just just the experience and the atmosphere that Ahern had. Yeah. Was really second to none, and really, it's it's quite different than the experience in Bramlage. Yeah. Uh, however, I will say this about Bramlage is when it's <clears throat> when it's full and it's rocking, it's a pretty special experience there as well. But it really was those early mm-hmm. basketball games in, in yeah. Ahern for me.
4: I'd have to say two things. One, and I, as I said before, my dad was a KU fan. It wasn't like it is today for my family back then where we watched all the sports on TV. Nowadays, you've got ESPN, you've got Fox. My grandsons know every player on KU's team. They're KU fans. But the first KU, K-State game that I remember was JoJo White against Steve Honeycutt. It was about like 1968, and Dad had it on the... On the TV, and I'm watching the game, and starting to get interested, you know, in in K State and KU at that time. Otherwise, I didn't watch games before that time. Now, the other time I really started getting interested was my freshman year. I didn't go to many of the basketball games, but when the tournament came around, Lon Kruger, Bob Chipman, Larry Williams, Steve Mitchell, Danny Beard, and Gene. McG- we made it all the way—I'm pretty sure—to the Elite Eight in that 72, 73 year, and lost to the Raging Cajun, something like that, Louisiana Tech, or something around there. But I was remember
0: glued Typical. to the
4: glued to the tube, <laughs> you know, over for the tournament. Uh, and so those are—that's when I started kind of getting into it. So, but on the other hand, I'll quickly say that since I was on the gymnastics team, gymnastics and, and basketball were very close similar seasons from about October to the end of March I was doing gymnastics and competing for K-State at, at the meets so
1: yeah. Grant what about you? What are your first memories? I know we I remember vividly talking about the first games you remember but what is your first memory of being a K-State fan?
2: Of being a K-State fan? Gosh that's tough because I haven't thought about it that way but The the time, I feel like when it really became clear to me that I was like a hardcore K-State fan was thinking back to before the 98 Nebraska game. It actually, I could understand, I could feel the weight of the game. And I, I remember like taking pictures in the front yard with my brother and I. And I was in like, he was in a Travis Oaks jersey and I was in a Bishop jersey. And I just remember feeling like driving up to the game, like this is the biggest moment of my life. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't remember anything right. from the game, really. I remember after the game and being like on the field with people, yeah. but I don't remember anything from the game other than what I've watched today. Bit of a mess of a game, but what about you?
1: Yeah, so in, we, I think one of our first pods we talked about, the first game we remember, for me the first game is that 98 game. We've, we've talked about this a little bit, but the first memories I have of, as a K-State fan is... Uh, asking my dad to draw Willie the Wildcat as as a little (laughs) kid. I remember doing that and drawing pictures before games and I even kind of remember some of the games weren't always on TV. I remember that there would be times where we'd have a completely random game on. It could be like Colorado, Oklahoma State or there's some game on TV but then listening To the game, and I I think I even I I don't remember the specific games, but I do remember the practice of okay, we're going to choose a game to watch on TV, but we're going to listen to the cats like if it's a you know a stupid non-conference game or anything like that. So I remember those moments before the concrete games start to form memories. I just remember the idea of you know Saturdays come around and there it is, and then I grew up in a split household, so I I don't know when I exactly. Cemented myself K State only, but I, I do remember basketball season where I'd be okay. Let's listen to the or watch, listen or watch the KU game, and then oh, they won. And let, let's check in on the K State game. It wasn't always as pretty, uh, but you know, those are those are some of the memories I remember before the games start forming those formative thoughts in my head. So. Now that you
2: mentioned that, I mean, I remember being in the cafeteria in kindergarten, Wanamaker Elementary. It was like. The second half of the day, where we used to do half days.
1: Yeah, you were half day. I was at Wanamaker as well, but I was an AM kindergarten. I guy. was AM
2: too, but it was I was only there in kindergarten, and I was there in the AM. And in the afternoon, I would go to like prime time or whatever oh, down yeah, at the YMCA. Yeah, yeah. But one time I remember, for some reason, we were in the cafeteria, and I remember drawing a power cat when I was like six. It was terrible, but that's probably my I guess that's probably my earliest fan memory. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: you know it's fun to think back about that. So thinking back. This is another fun one. What is the best K-State game you witnessed in person?
3: Well, that's that's very easy for me, and you guys have talked about it already on previous podcasts and today. It was the 98 Nebraska football game. Uh, the reason that was so big, I mean, I've heard you say before, uh, kind of in jest, well, something hadn't happened for a long time. It hadn't happened since NOM. <laughs> yeah. That literally hadn't happened since NOM, that we had beaten Nebraska. Thirty. Yeah. 20, yeah. It wasn't like 29 in a row, Something like 29 that. years. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. And, and Grant, you put it so well about leading up to that game because you knew the magnitude of, of that game. You knew that we had an opportunity to knock off a big-time program and end that losing streak. You knew it going in, but we had been there before, and we hadn't been able to kick that door in. Yeah. I and think when we
2: were, I think there. we were seven years old.
1: Yeah. Yep. I remember having Six the or concept
2: seven. of like, yeah. I just my I just remember the concept of like we don't we've never never beat Nebraska. We don't yeah. beat Nebraska. And I remember being like, okay, we're number one. We should do it.
3: Yeah. And that's that's and, what I remember. And and being there and and feeling the game play out. But we never did quite get away from them. I mean, they were there, oh. it was nip and tuck pretty much all the way. And then we had, you know, the the big play, uh, yeah. the face mask. <laughs> and it really
4: was. As all the Nebraska fans, I mean, fans remember. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That that
1: was a 100% clean play, and anyone yeah. who says different, they're <laughs> a communist.
3: Clean tackle. It's kind of like the. Deckinger uh, call in the
1: uh, oh yeah the, for the Royals for Cardinals the Ro- World Royals Series Cardinals yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but <clears throat> yeah and then when the the end of the game came and we were ahead we had won it was just the whole place yeah. just exploded all he, the demons were gone and it was like it was, we had arrived
4: didn't Kelly intercepted a pass and took it in or something like that to make it, was it forty a fumble, to thirty fumble recovery, fumble exactly. recovery that. Sealed it. Otherwise, yeah, the, Crouch was marching down. The, uh, the
1: fans rushed the field three different times in that game. You know, after that recovery, after I think we took a knee on the conversion play uh, because uh, you know we you didn't mm-hmm. want to block the extra point or anything like that happening. And then uh, they rushed the field again, had to get them off, and then the kickoff, you know, end yeah. the game. But yeah, I think our, our friends on the KSO show they they went back and documented that play. If we wouldn't have gotten to crouch and force that fumble, there's a guy streaking down the field. Uh, safety fell down on the play, so it, that could have been a very different game for all of us yep. if we couldn't, if we didn't force that fumble. Absolutely. Well,
4: I want to kind of correct Grant, and maybe I'm wrong, because as I've gotten older, I have these false memories that, that occur where I think it happened one way and I find out later it didn't. But Grant said he went down on the field I'm not is. sure Maybe he not. did. What happened was Cole went down on the field. Cole is Grant's older brother. And Shelley and I, Cole's mom and I were worried because that was just to see. Cole was lost. We didn't <laughs> know where he was, and we're trying to find him. I don't think we let Grant go down the field. My a big on we, somebody's shoulders. If we did, yeah, it field. was with us. That yeah. could be wrong. But anyway, my my greatest uh, K-State game is the Big 12 championship of 2003 when we beat Oklahoma in Kansas City and it was kind of the reason was that for so many years it seems like when K-State gets to the big stage we can't seem to come up with a win and we did and we were sitting around all these Oklahoma people and the Oklahoma fans were there and we just put on a show and spanked them thirty-five to seven, and it was uh, it was so awesome that I think we had that. We taped it, and I think I watched it several two or three straight days, and just <laughs> had nothing but laughter. I mean, joy. It was unbelievable. That that's probably my greatest. Yeah, you didn't take me. Man, right? no, I went with another. A, a lawyer buddy asked me to go with him and we went down. Didn't
2: you get sick after that game? I did. I, so I, did I. We I threw so up in the parking lot
4: it. and then I. <laughs> yeah. But then I, then I. I threw up like right. Home. I mean, after watching the game,
2: I was at a friend's house. I watched the whole game. And then the second I got home, I threw up for like mm-hmm. several hours. So we must have both had some
1: some uh-huh. horrible violence. I, I think I might have been. Was it that or the Fiesta? I think it was that game I got sick after a YMCA uh-huh. basketball game. I think I threw up a Powerade in in Jardine Middle School after a sixth grade YMCA game. It was I going think. around, man. Yeah. I Well, I had to have thrown up too then. I would say. Uh, yeah,
3: but I don't have any memory of it. You know the thing about that, and we didn't go to that game. I
1: I think I think I remember right. a conversation you and yes. I had. We said, "All right, Scott, do you want this to be your birthday gift? Do you want to go?" And I think I looked at you and said. No, I think we're going to get killed. And I don't think you put up much of a fight when I said that.
3: I didn't because I I thought I didn't have any confidence. I no. had
1: zero faith. Because
3: wasn't that an Oklahoma team that yes. many said was one of the, the best college teams? of all time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And up till that point, they genuinely had a good shout for that because they were unbelievable they killed everyone
1: that year
3: and i think they scored right out of the
1: yeah they, they scored on oh, the yeah. very they first drive and i believe we did a 3 and out we three in we had a 3 and out and
3: then they
2: they had a like a counterplay to Kewan Jones yep. just ran untouched in the end zone and i was like oh my god we're going to get
3: destroyed yep this is oklahoma's first possession kansas state was 3 and out ou now at the k state 42 yard line
0: Kewan jones has the cover.
1: And I, I think I think uh, the the guys on the call I'm not I, I don't recall who it was it might have been Keith Jack I don't know it was, no, it was, it was Musburger, Musburger was Musburger? And, uh, Gary, Gary Daniel oh they, yeah. and Gary I have that game yeah. like memorized
2: yeah, yeah so
1: yeah and they were and they were saying oh boy and here it goes yeah. so I think everyone in the world thought okay Case it goes seven out Oklahoma or three and out Oklahoma puts up seven the routes on but you know as we and all know somehow
4: we held him, yeah yeah I
1: um,
2: have to use my editing skills to splice some things in there. Yeah.
4: Game. Oh yeah. You're a great head. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I think it was. Swift caught a touchdown pass or one of our big tight ends, and then that was the Terry bobble. That. The, was it? Was the it Swift. The, no. Casey. It was Casey. Casey. Yeah.
2: Brian Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Casey.
4: He caught one, and then Terry. Terry caught one. That was, uh, one, that was a great play. That was a great play, and then the Sproul's screenplay. No, oh, that screen. was awesome. Nell just
2: chucked a bomb into double coverage and. Uh, Terry, I want to say the or, safety fell down. He didn't fall down. He fell down right after he caught it, and then he fell down, and yeah, Terry yeah. walked you in. Who had
3: the interception? Interception. Sims. 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 Teddy. Teddy Sims. Teddy, Teddy Sims. Sims. Sims and that yeah. was like the last touchdown. Yeah, yeah that the, the
1: knockout punches, yeah. I believe they said. But, yeah. you know, I, that, the dagger. Yeah, the dagger. The that's what they – But truthfully, but was, they weren't coming back. They, they were not – Oklahoma was not going to score uh, 21 more points that game wrong. regardless. It was, it was over. Yeah, and, you know, you just had to feel so good for Bill oh. Snyder when yeah. that game came because, you know, that was the thing he, he still had never got. He never had won the Big 12. Yeah. He got to put it on Bobby, you know, it – you know, it, you just couldn't help yeah. but feel great, and then that just makes the mm-hmm. collapse in 04 and 05 even more puzzling. But, you know, yeah. this, is, this is a happy pod, so we're not going to <laughs> yeah. go down those two seasons. <laughs> uh, the, the next question we had uh, lined up at Grant, unless there's another game. I mean, I think for me it's 98. Is there another game that you wanted to throw in for, throw, for best the game best game you service? have witnessed in person?
2: For me, honestly, I'd say two thousand Nebraska over ninety-eight. I I have a much more clear memory
1: of that. Well and here's the the snowstorm. Yeah, the snowstorm. And here's here's the question here's here is the thing about that game. My dad and I had tickets, and mom, if you're listening, I will always be mad at you for this because because of that impending ice storm, she put her foot down and was like, You two are not gonna go to that. You're not gonna get stranded on the road trying to come back. And we sat at home. While well, that game happened, while well, we should have been there, we yeah. should have been there. That was Ugh.
2: that was the best game I've probably ever seen. Because I was I was two years older, mm-hmm. I had a better concept of being able to watch the game. I wasn't just running mm-hmm. up and down the the stairs the whole game and screwing around. I remember watching that game like
4: that was 2000.
2: Being, being yeah 2000, yeah. and it was like it, I was I remember being tuned in from start to finish in that season, and I remember being like, this is our chance to. Make up for our disappointment because at that point it was a disappointment. We had such high We'd expectations going in, and it was just three-week stretch of being really poor. I mean, we we were even with Oklahoma that year, in my opinion. Except for maybe Josh Heupel who was a better quarterback, but talent-wise, I think legitimately we were we were on par with that Oklahoma team, and. God, we just did everything wrong in that Oklahoma game until, of course, we tried to leave it too late. K-State, vintage K-State, <laughs> dig yourself in a hole, come back, but not be there, not, 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 not be able enough to time. Not be able yeah. get out. And then we lay an egg at A&M, and it's just like it felt
4: Yeah,
2: it felt super disappointing when we had those high expectations going in. We were number two at one point. Yeah. And then we had the chance to beat Nebraska again. They were number four. We win the North, and it was just, like, such an iconic game, being in the snow. There's so many good memories
4: from that yeah. game. One of the greatest memories is <clears throat> Willie the Wildcat up on the press box, kind of a background of the spotlights and the snow coming down and him doing the KSU yeah. Wildcat. It was incredible, you know.
2: I remember you wanted to go on the field that day, yeah. to on the field, <laughs> but I wouldn't. I didn't want to because my feet were, like, way too cold. I was like, let's go up. <laughs> like, we got to go. We went back to the tailgate, and we stood up there and watched people, like, storm the field for a little bit. But then I remember, like, going right back to the tailgate, it's getting warm. Yeah. That's probably my best game, though. I would,
3: I would just throw in, too, you know, we've talked about football, but uh, there's a couple of basketball uh, attendance uh, games that I saw that were really uh, – Really impre- left an impression for me, and I think the first was like the 2010 regionals that we went oh, down uh, to yeah. Oklahoma City for that, yeah. and KU was uh, was there as well. <laughs> uh, half of our family came home very sad on that trip, but uh, but K-State wins two games and goes to the Sweet 16. That was yeah. uh, that was great. It's Poland's
4: year. That was the Poland year. And yep. yeah. yeah,
1: Poland's junior
4: year. Poland, yep. Yeah, junior. Yeah,
2: you mentioned basketball. I guess. I'd be remiss not to say the two thousand seven beating the streak, I was there, that was amazing. And I forget about that. That's that's probably the second best. It's gotta be the second best sporting event I've ever been to. It was that was just yeah. mayhem. Yeah, From I start to finish. I've never seen
1: I mean I was lucky for my stretch of football and basketball my four years at yeah. K-State, because you, you look at basketball, I, w- I was in attendance for two wins over KU, some just drubbings of good Missouri teams. Uh, there's a lot of fun basketball games. There's one I'll actually mention a little bit later as well once we dive into some of the Ask Bosco questions, but th- th- there are a ton of great basketball games. The fact of the matter, I don't think any... I love basketball. I promise you I do. I, I, renewed, I got season tickets again, but It takes so much to beat some of these iconic football games that I've been lucky enough to be at. And, you know, again, love basketball, but I don't know if anything outside of a possible one-day national title or Final Four will top 98 Nebraska for me.
2: We were also at the uh – pulling 38 point drubbing of ku together oh, yeah, yeah we were together. yep that was a great time shout it's out one of my favorite games that i've ever been yeah
1: it, it was it was amazing shout out to my ex-girlfriend caitlin wherever you are for <laughs> selling grant your season ticket for basketball for super cheap yeah it's like so it was
2: like 50 dollars for the remaining mean, like 10 games or yeah
1: something. so you know that that was awesome we will move on uh, to this uh Grant and I already kind of touched on our first memories of K-State fandom that was brought on by you guys. We'll elaborate a little bit. But what do you two remember about bringing us into the K-State fandom, the K-State family? What's your first memories of that? Well, for me,
3: I remember uh, Cindy <coughs> Scott's mom, and me bringing Scott as a toddler to K-State football games. Um because we had tickets, we got we got tickets early on, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just remember the the uh, like early September games just being really really hot and, and bringing you in diapers
2: to
3: the to the game, and then like at halftime trying to find some shade just to get you some shade because uh, you start getting kind of irritated about the whole thing. But yeah, uh, that's weird. We we brought you when you were just you know barely even walking I mean uh, early on so. I
1: still get irritated for those really really hot so- <laughs> September games and you're still so, trying to find
3: some shade yeah I,
1: yes <laughs> so that hasn't changed one bit yeah
3: but but really that was that was it and and we went to K-State basketball games uh, early on too in in Bramlage and and uh, we would always make that a, a family affair and and uh, granddad was there. He had season tickets, and we'd meet him there. And uh, uh, we would go. Typically, they weren't really, you know, great games. I mean, they were non-conference games. And uh, but but we would go. And I know we have some pretty cool pictures that I have on a collage at work at at uh, Bramwich when you guys were just wee fellows, you know, in your K-State year. So that was. Yeah. No specific <laughs> games necessarily, I remember, but we
4: took you to games. With with me, I was trying to remember when, you know, I started bringing the kids, and it just, nothing really clicked, but I do have a couple memories, and of course Grant remembers, it was the Oklahoma-K-State game in 2000, football game, and K-State had fallen behind like 35 to 14 at half, and and I think OU would kicked a field goal, and they had 38. But K-State started coming back. Okay. And I Rashad Washington blocks a punt. That's not punt, right. That's not was right. It, I'm going to step who, in. Who <laughs> was it? Who was it? It's that? not Rashad
2: Washington. It was, uh, okay. gosh, I don't know. It was somebody anyway. that we'd have to look up. But. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: yep, we're somehow, doing great. Yeah, somebody blocked the punt. Yeah. It bounced up, and Terrence Newman runs it in for him? a touchdown. Oh, Thank you. And the place erupted. It, it brought us betw- up to thirty-eight, thirty-one. so we're now within seven points. But the place erupted. It's the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. Grant, I look down at him. He's holding his ears going, Dad, Dad, it hurts my ears. It hurts my ears. And so I'm just laughing. And uh, so that I really remember vividly. And the other things never I was... i forget that moment. Yeah, that, it was awesome, even though we ended up losing. But the other times, I guess, would be the, the 96 Cotton Bowl. Uh, I can't really remember when I got the whole family tickets. It started out early on in 90 when Shelley and I just got our two tickets. And then we would bring the kids. We'd buy the, the general admission then for 5 bucks, So we had All our right. two season tickets. We would buy five-buck general admission tickets for the kids and and get in. And uh, it was the early 90s, but I can't remember how anything specific other than that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you you, you touched on and I was going to interject the Bramlage memories, you know, I don't remember anything outside of for whatever reason, I, I think I recall, always recalled Willie was wearing different numbers, you know, football he was always either zero or double zero, but for whatever weird reason, I remember going to some of those early K-State games and he would just be wearing like 15 or 26, I'm sure, or not 26, 25 I'm sure back then they didn't order him his own jersey, just whatever random jersey was still just hanging on in the back of the equipment room, he would do that, but I remember you know running up and down the aisles at Bramlage when we were super young and walking throughout the concourse. For whatever reason, I keep wanting to try to remember some game that we went to that Aunt Berta was there with Granddad as well. Uh, So for whatever reason, that's another memory. I just remember us walking over and either sitting behind them. It might have been before the game. It might have been halftime. Hell, it could have been during the game. I'm not really sure, but that's another really young memory, and I just remember that you were there just talking with him, and I was just bouncing around. So that's another (laughs) memory that I wanted to interject at this point. Grant, any other early memories with your dad from K-State that we haven't touched on quite yet? Nah, we
2: pretty much touched on them. We can move on.
1: Uh, All right. And then uh, the last one for this little what I called reminiscing the memories topic what is the biggest difference between being a K-State fan now and over the last 30 years? What does the evolution of K-State fandom look like in your guys' lifetimes?
3: Well, uh, you go ahead. You go first. Oh, okay.
1: Um, <clears throat> I would have to say,
4: and it, maybe maybe's not 30 years. It's more like 40 years. Um, <laughs> because it, it has to be football and basketball. Uh, when... I was following early basketball in those uh, late 70s, early 70s, late 70s, all the way up to, uh, like, when Hartman, I want to say 1982. A lot of people don't know this, but those early days are up. As far as 1982, K-State and KU both had the same number of appearances in the NCAA. We were right there with them, if not more than KU, appearing in the basketball NCAA. Uh, you know, like I've already said, let's see, the 72-year with Kruger and 75, the Elite 8, Chucky Williams hits a shot with five seconds less, left in the Eastern Regional. We're up to to go to the final four and a guy named Haggerty or something comes down for Syracuse, ties it, and we lose in overtime. But, Freaking
1: Syracuse! Yeah, we
4: have we have all all those. I mean, very unbelievable. Well, really good memories of basketball when we were really one of the top programs in the country, uh, year in and year out. Um,
3: I think to that uh, point, I think when I you look back in the records, I think in the mid seventies we were in the elite eight three out of four years. <clears throat> You're saying no no you're I'm shaking
1: my head just at the idea that that is well, such a big deal because the the two elite eight runs for me still just seem almost surreal yeah. uh, that to, to think that there's a five year period that three or four year period that three out of four years you make it that far that just seems just next worldly to me
4: well the other thing that's different and way different for you guys in nineteen seventy four. KU won the Big Eight. They were 13 and one. K State was 12 and two. We took second. We lost only to KU and uh, Allen Fieldhouse, and only to Alvin Adams, Oklahoma uh, OU team. K State did not go to the NCAA, even though they were the second place team and probably in the top 25. The reason was there was only 16 teams that got in. They had there was it was very limited. In 75, we did get in that large berth, and I told you we made the Elite Eight. In 76, I was in Ahern Fieldhouse when Missouri comes in with a guy named Willie Smith. Willie Smith poured in 38 points. Chucky Williams poured in 36 or something. Missouri wins the game, they win the conference. That was a battle for the conference. It was always Missouri K-State, Missouri KU, KU K-State. We were always battling for the conference championship, and that's where it's different uh, now because uh, football's kind of replaced that. Football, we have much more of a chance to win the conference than we do in basketball. I mean, we had some... There were some awesome times back then.
3: It's our, and, if, and if you look at uh, the coaches of the Big Eight in those days were some big-time personalities. Mm-hmm. Like
4: Johnny Orr, for example. Johnny Orr, well, yeah. Billy Tubbs in 83 took food. over. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. Larry Brown. It's hard uh, to believe that we would finish 12 and 2. And not Take
2: go Take second, the, not go yeah. into tournament. Yeah. I would be <laughs> fuming. Well, yeah, you would nowadays
4: <laughs> yeah. because 64 te- 68 teams get in Now we got 68
3: teams in and any. any and the, broad, yeah. yeah, and the ACC any wants to expand it. it even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, on, on the other hand, football, yeah. as Malcolm mentioned, was was not the sport that b- basketball was we were a basketball school yeah for sure we um, when we would go to football games the student section would be a barren wasteland you could walk in with a cooler and i'm not sure if they were allowed but nobody stopped you <laughs> yeah. uh well and uh and you know there, there were in, in the days that I went, was the Jim Dickey era, and we would have seasons where we would win three, maybe four games would be a really good season, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you had no hope whatsoever that you were going to compete with the, the middle-of-the-road teams in the conference and yes. clearly not you know, the best teams in the conference. So, yeah. you know, football was just something you did in the fall because you were a student, you would go, but uh, totally different, totally different atmosphere there compared to where it is
1: today. And, man, K-State fans are uh, almost spoiled over the last, you know, 20-year run with the emergence of basketball coming back and some of the combo seasons we've had. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference from what you guys described. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have been in school when I did four bowls, four tournaments, big 12 tiles in both the big sports you know it's changed a lot but you know i it'd be lying if i didn't say i wish we could see some of that super elite basketball again but you know i i really appreciate you guys sharing those memories we're going to take a small break before we get you guys to go on the record with some of the hottest questions surrounding k-state sports uh so stay tuned we'll be right back
2: to of uh, Bosco's Boys Dad Pod edition, and we're, we've got some new, some new fresh questions that are a little bit more to the point, a little bit more relevant for today. What do we got?
1: Yep. So uh, we're gonna first uh, drop in here the, the one that everyone's talking about probably well until game one. <laughs> How many wins will K State football have? And as we discussed the over under pod a couple weeks ago, I've seen some Vegas books come out dropping the number from seven down to. 6.5 to 6 and I've also seen one as high as 7.5. So, you know, the bookies are all over the place. Where do the dads think we are going to finish? Give us the win total.
3: Well, um, I say we will have 8 wins, but it depends on Mississippi State.
1: So is that 8 wins including Mississippi State for you? Yes. Woo! I'm not I'll take it. I'll take it right I will now. I'll take that, <laughs> I guess.
3: And that is regular season. Yep. Uh, But I think it all hinges on that game. Uh, If we win that game, I say eight. I am at seven and five.
4: You know, the coaches hate when we do this as fans, you know, put numbers here, there, but I look, what? I think I had wrote down home, be five and two at home, and then hopefully go two and three on the road with uh, the big 12 games. But he, you know,
2: about seven and five is where my brain—that's what my brain tells me. My gut says, if hey, if we if we can come out and win Mississippi State, mm-hmm. I say hell, I say minimum we win eight games. I think we can that's, push on from there. If we cool, come out, and we can we we'll start two and zero. Oh, mm-hmm. I have high hopes, but who knows?
1: I I agree. I think on our over under podcast, I, I said seven. I'm. Right now, sitting here on June, whatever the date is, I can never remember the date. June 16th. June 16th. I'm saying 7-5. and five. But I'm going to say this. If we do beat Mississippi State, I think that can snowball into maybe 9-3, and three. who knows, maybe even 10-2. Yeah. I like some of the home games we have. And, you know, I, I even like where some of those road games are at as well. Uh, but I am also going to say this. When I look at things very critically, if we cannot beat Mississippi State, there are timelines, there are dark timelines on this season that could see us only winning five, maybe six games. If things go bad, there is so much unknown. The new coordinators, you don't know how they're going to react. I, I really do think this could be a volatile season, but you know, I'm going to stick with seven wins as my official prediction until, until we can hear something different. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of questions.
2: Going into this season.
4: Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, it just seems like the last two years that we go down and win a game at Oklahoma State that I never thought we would win, and then we lose games that I thought we should win. Right. And so
3: I, it's so hard to predict these K-State teams the last couple years. The know? other thing that I've seen in the last couple seasons is we go through a really dry spell. I mean, we'll, we'll mm. lose – Two, three games in a
1: row. Sometimes four. Yeah. Sometimes five. And then six
2: straight. You know what I would like to see us do is protect our home field this year. This yes. Place. Yeah. We've been so bad at home in the last few years. Yeah. It's been really disappointing. But God, you look at last two seasons, and it's, and it's like we were inches away from ten wins both seasons.
1: Honestly. But we yeah. were inches away last year away from five wins. That's and, and that's the year true. before also. I guess yeah. it goes both that. ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, and that's almost that almost flies in the face of if you think of Bill Snyder as a whole, because if you think of his career as a whole, he is consistent in that he wins the games he's supposed to, and he doesn't usually pull off big upsets. Last year was totally different. You dropped two, three games that you thought we're going to win. That then you turn around and get the first ranked win since 2012 at Oklahoma State. So. No, I'm sure we're going to be in for another roller coaster, and hopefully, it bounces our way more than it doesn't. Uh, a lot of that is going to depend on our next question, dads. First off, who will be QB one on the first game of the season? You want to go first? Well, I'm
4: going to say it's Alex yeah. Delton, uh, and my reasoning is just I know Bill Snyder, I know conservative, conservative Bill, or maybe not conservative, but. Yeah, conservative plus loyal and plus going with what he's, he's uh, kind of gone with in the past uh, it's just I think he'll feel more comfortable even though we have new coordinators we've got Colin Klein and Andre Coleman hopefully calling some shots and maybe loosening things up and being a little more or a little less conservative we still have Bill as the man that calls the plays and I think he has liked that running quarterback for as long as I remember, and I think Delton's the one just because of that. Uh,
2: I have to. I mean, I agree with you, 100. percent I think it's going to be Delton for sure, on at least at least like to start the off. Opener. It might be Skyler primarily for the rest of the season, but I just feel like Bill's going to go up his comfort zone. It just it just feels that way, but who knows? Because it's still so even. Yeah. Well,
3: I. Not so fast, I would have to say. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Skyler, and I think that Skyler showed enough last year when he was in there for an extended period of time. My goodness, I thought Delton was done with football. I thought he was done with those concussions that he had. I heard Um, he was, yeah. uh, Maybe this is more my heart, uh, because I hear what you're saying in terms of what Coach Snyder and what his tendencies are with with the uh, quarterback, with the older quarterback, the running quarterback. Um, but what I think is going to happen early on, I think you're going to see both. I yep. think there will be <laughs> Delton packages. We will, yes, I, don't I agree. I like that. I don't. I, uh, like that at I, don't all. I don't think that's our best foot by pl- trying to play two uh, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That's not our best foot forward. But I think he's going to do it. Uh, but I think yeah. it's primarily going to be Skyler as the number one, and Delton will get a lot of opportunities yeah. out there in his own packages.
4: If you uh,
2: throw out Bill's tendencies completely and just look at last season like in context, you would still have absolutely no idea who it could possibly be. Because, I mean, at one point it was Delton's job to lose. He got hurt, then Skyler comes in, and then he just completely fizzes out in the bowl game. Delton comes in, saves our ass, and –
1: now it's just like who knows. Well, so I think I firmly believe that in the bowl game they did not call plays to help Skylar Thompson out. I, I, first off, he can run, he had close to 100 yards rush. rushing in that Oklahoma. He's a great game. runner. So, some of the fans who take the easy way out saying he can't run and Delton can't throw, I think you're taking the easy way out. I, I do, I do agree. I almost echo my dad completely. I, I think Skylar Thompson takes the first snap because I think he is the number one. They said it's coin flip going into camp. Skyler was the one who came out with the ones. I do not believe that Bill Snyder ever would leave something to a coin flip. So I am <laughs> putting maybe too much stock in who came out first in the bowl, or in the spring game. And I also think for the sake of Alex Delton, I do not think he can be a starting quarterback for K-State because I truly do worry about his health and his future. He had two concussions last year. I don't think you can put that guy out there as the starting quarterback and do anything more than a couple packages a game. So and it's that's not like
2: we're not going to stop running him.
1: Yeah, that's that's no. just not going to happen. So I think having putting him putting a package of plays in that you give him maybe five six snaps a game that at least tries to protect him. So I, I just showed my cards saying all that. I think uh, the, the sub-question to that was, who's going to get the most snaps next year at quarterback? I showed my hand. I think, I think it'll be Skyler, so we'll go around the horn.
2: I mean, I think it's Skylar too.
3: I, have, uh, I think it's going to be Skyler uh, as long as he stays healthy. That's true. Because, you know, he will, if he does play, as I predict, he will run. And if he runs he could get hurt. So, if he doesn't stay healthy, uh, all bets are off, but I, I think it will be Skyler.
4: You know, if you look at this last season and the bevy of running backs we had, and we wonder why are we running our quarterback and risking him to get hurt like we seem to, even with Colin Klein, you yeah. know, every, you, you that's my question. Why Why do we do it? Especially I think when we, we have, know
2: that they're hurt. Like, yeah. That, yeah. It, it, it does get borderline negligible. borderline negligible, no, negligible yeah. It, it, it's, and
4: ugh. maybe with Eric Hickson, who's now the running back coach, we will get more, you know, of the running backs taking the load and, and running getting 30 carries or getting more, more carries. I mean, I'm hoping mm. we can do that. And if that's the case, then – you know, Skyler will not risk getting hurt. And I think in the long run, I would have to agree that Skyler is the full package. He has the better, more of the full package with his passing ability. Um, now, Bill and some of the coaches have said, Delton, though he has equal passing ability, I don't think he does. I think they're being kind to him. But uh, Lie. I think, I mean... Uh,
3: And I hope he proves me wrong. They are in love with the quarterback running game. And I think part of that is because you have, you know, one more blocker when you have the quarterback running it. And I think they feel like that puts them at an advantage Mm -hmm. most of the time. So they're never going to veer away from that uh, strategy of running the quarterback, at least as a major part of the offense, I believe.
4: Well, and when you had So effectively... Well, yeah. If you go yeah. back to Colin Klein, he could watch that defensive end just slightly move one way and he would know whether to give it to the back or take yeah. it himself. And so Bills offense is I mean it's run oriented, but
2: we still that's a I feel like we still use that as a crutch. Like mm-hmm. we still occasionally run our offense as if we have Colin Klein running football and it's like we don't mm-hmm. have that right. yeah. that Patient quarterback power run play doesn't work anymore. It occasionally works, but it's like it's the most predictable right. play I've ever seen. I when when amateurs like me can sit in the stands and say this is what we're going to run here. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a problem.
3: Yeah. Well, and like uh, Malcolm said, look at our stable of running backs oh, this year. Yeah. My goodness, it's some of the best we've ever had.
2: Yeah. We keep saying as yeah. fans that Bill ultimately controls everything, but. Um, I do have maybe it's a blind hope that our new staff is. we're going to see some new things here I do think that things are going to be changed up a bit I think we're going to utilize our stable of running backs a lot better than we have in the last two years but maybe that's just like me being optimistic I don't know
1: well we will see and I think every single one of us mentioned Bill when we were talking about the quarterback one conversation so that leads to Quite possibly the biggest question in K-State sports, how many more years does Bill Snyder
3: have? Well, okay, I'll, I'll just throw it out there. And this is this is not a very intelligent response to this, but I truly believe this is his last year. Um, he may be done now, possibly, because there is a scenario where I could see him stepping away before the, even the first game. Which would enable his son Sean to take over the reins, but but, sorry, have, no, that's all right. Have, having said that, I will just say, on the record, on this pod, that this will be his last season.
4: You know,
2: <laughs> I can't, and I were talking about I, this yeah. private the other day. I think we should probably stay away from what we were talking about, but yeah. I, I'll just say I think it's his last year too, but. I don't think Sean is going to be taking over anytime soon. That's We can get into that off pod. Well, <laughs> the, the subscribers well, are going to be
1: quite curious, but I I, I'll, I'll protect any sources <laughs> that are... They can get into our DMs.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, you know, that is this is the $64 question. I mean, how many years has it been the $64 question? Well, is Bill going to come back? And I guess... You know, I was a little surprised at the way Bill handled it this last time, where he kind of came out and said something like, well, I will decide or I'll, you know, do s- something. And he, he, he he made it sound like he wasn't really sure. And the only question I had was, what, what are the recruits thinking? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's always played it very close to the vest, where he doesn't say anything, but he kind of let it out there that I'm going to take some time to decide whether this you know, I'm gonna coach again. I don't like him doing it that way because like I said, then the other schools are gonna use negative recruiting against him even worse if you do that. But I kind of agree with you. I I would think this would be he's getting to the point where he's, you know, ready to retire. He'll be fifth, he'll be seventy nine in October, and so but then again,
3: who knows? He could be going a couple
4: more years. 3, 4, I mean, nobody knows.
3: Well, he's got to give himself an opportunity to come back again to smooth yeah. the waters if necessary.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I said it a couple pods ago and I'm sticking to it. My official prediction, I'm going to say this up until game 1 and I see Bill Snyder coming out on his white windbreaker and Nike Cortez. I think Bill Snyder has coached his last game at Kansas State University. I do not think he will ever coach another K-State game again. And unlike you guys, and maybe you have more information than I do, I 110% believe that Sean Snyder will be the head coach on game one. I think how the contracts were structured in this offseason, how they went about re-signing and promoting coaches, I think that is – I've never been more confident in predicting – bill snyder being done than i am right now so we'll we'll, 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 we'll leave it at that and we'll,
4: that's an atom bomb being dropped i think i don't know <laughs> that bill would
1: do that i 100 percent believe he would i think you know i hope this doesn't you know isolate me from uh some of the fans i hope this doesn't isolate me with some of the people inside the athletic department but i do not think bill snyder cares nearly as much about K-State fans and the quote-unquote K-State family as he wants you to believe. I 100% believe he came back to protect his own legacy, and now he's only, he, his only goal is to get his son to be the head coach. He helped his friends, his old friends, get back in the coaching game. All of them have either retired or gotten head coaching or better jobs, and now his only, his only goal is to get Sean to be the next head coach. So I I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong before about many things, uh, and I hope this doesn't (laughs) isolate me away from some people when they hear this, but that is my 110 wholehearted belief. All right. So there it is. So with all that being said, let's go around the horn. Predict your next head football coach. I've already made my prediction. I think it is Sean, and I think it's already been decided. So let's go around the horn. Who do you predict?
2: I have no idea. I would not be surprised if it was Sean. Here's, gosh, I don't know. I think it, like I do think it's going to be someone on the staff. I don't know if it's going to be, if this is Bill's last year, I don't know if it's going to be Sean that gets shoehorned in like you think it's going to be. But I, I mean, I just... Naturally, I lean to it's going to be somebody we're going to hire from within somebody on the staff. I hope it's someone like Blake Siler or take a shot on a young guy like Blake Siler or maybe even Andre Coleman. Love Andre Coleman. I don't know. Travis kind of sold me on the CEO aspect of Sean, but I don't. He literally said that Sean has like no football IQ. So I, <laughs> how can you have a head coach with very little football True. IQ?
3: I think the next coach hired by. Um, our school by Gene Taylor will be uh, Jim Leavitt.
2: I mean, that seems like a good choice. Well,
3: and it's, you know, all the talk about Leavitt and his contract. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he would be a good match, uh, at least for a, you know, five to seven-year run, hopefully longer. But I do believe that's who I would predict to be the next head coach. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> well, predictions
4: that that puts it pretty definite. That kind of pins you down when you're making a prediction. I would I'm going to say that I don't think it's going to be Sean. And that part of that is because of the the terrible tragedy that Sean experienced this year with with uh, the death of his son. And I don't think he's Especially going to do it this year, I just don't think he would. He's uh, going to be able to to be ready to devote that kind of energy and time and uh, leadership that you know, a head coach requires. Now, the athletic director is from originally North Dakota State. There is a. <clears throat> There is a coach at Wyoming now that was at North Dakota State that I that had a really stud quarterback, um, so I don't know. I mean, that would be a possibility. Now, I would think I would, I guess I'll get into the next question, who do I want to be the coach, and that would be, uh, I've always thought that Brett Venables would be just a perfect fit in the, coming home type situation you had Roy Williams KU go back to North Carolina you had Huggy Bear uh, Huggins go back to West Virginia Brent Venables lives less than 50 miles from Manhattan Kansas he went he grew up in Salina he would be perfect to come home and be the head coach of K-State now whether K-State could ever pull that off or, you know, we wonder why Brett has not gone elsewhere. Maybe he's holding out till K-State offers him. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But I, I think uh, I would like to see Mr. Vanables come back, leave Clemson and come back to K-State.
2: Well, you just segued right into the next question. I like that. It's perfect. You've got, you're an experienced podcaster. I mean, I, I feel like we're just going to go four for four there. I mean, who do you want to be the next coach? Brett Venables for me.
3: Well, for me, it would be Brent Venables as well, uh, and what a defensive mind he is as well. He has had some of the best defenses in college football over the last few years, and uh, you know, being a K. K-Stater, he he understands the K. State way. Uh, he's a Kansas boy, grew up in Salina, perfect match. I agree,
1: uh, Brent Venables all the way, and. That's a clean sweep. And uh, after all that, we're going to get to our boneheads, the Ask Bosco questions. Uh, You know, a couple of these have been asked before, but, you know, I'm glad that we're going to get our dad's input on it. First one from at Life of Mama Fitz. Give us the Mount Rushmore of Manhattan, Kansas bars when you were in school. I changed this four times. Mount Rushmore of changing the answers right there. Four times. Four times. Uh, Number one,
3: Brothers Tavern. You have to understand I went to school at the peak of the disco era and at that time I was very anti-disco. Brothers Tavern was not a disco establishment. They had live entertainment great specials, and one of the most bizarre specials that you'll ever have, Wet Pants Wednesday. (laughs)
2: Wet Pants, what does that mean?
3: You pay a cover during a period of time in the early evening, and they lock the doors and the bathroom doors. And you, everybody drank off that cover until somebody wet no. their pants. That's absurd. I don't remember that. They don't have those kind of specials anymore, do they? No, no, no. I think is that that's, good reason. I think that's illegal nowadays. Yes, it is. <laughs> Indeed, it is. But they did have some really great live acts as well. Yeah. Uh, number two, mothers worry. Mother's, mothers worry. Being in the disco era, the the reason I put that on my Mount Rushmore of Manhattan bars on Wednesday nights, they played nothing but classic rock and roll. That <laughs> is a great place to go on a Wednesday night. Number three, I put Kites. It's a standard of Aggieville, just a great, great bar. <clears throat> and then my final one that is still here today, Auntie Mays, and they had a great fishbowl Good cold beer, and they had a barber's chair back in the day. Do they still have a barber's chair? They
1: did. They did when I was still 21, I believe. I haven't been in there in a few years. Not sure if it is still there or not.
3: But uh, that is my mountain Rushmore. Now there, there are honorable mention, of course, and one of those is uh, Aggie Station. And the reason Aggie Station was back in those days, it wasn't liquor by the drink. You had 21 clubs, yeah. and that was the only 21 club in Aggieville at the time. So when I turned 21, I went there, and they had dollar drinks every night. They had a different dollar drink, and it was a, it was a great, great place for hard liquor and a good dance floor as well.
4: Okay, my top four. Now, I was a fraternity boy, so Kites was number one. We would go to Kites on the fraternity and sorority nights. I think Wednesday night we'd have the chapter meeting, and then everybody would go out and have a cold beer. So Kites was number one for me. Now, Brothers Tavern was number two, and Brothers had foosball. Back when I was there, we had foosball, and a fraternity brother of mine, Jim Betson and I, we won several tournaments at Brothers Tavern. We would play tournaments, and you'd challenge the table, and, and it helped that I had a foosball table at my own home here in, in Topeka, plus we had a foosball table in the fraternity. So we got pretty, we got pretty good. Now, the third bar was, was not Aggie Station, but it was called the Cavalier Club. And it was above Brothers Tavern. It was a 21 uh, club. You had to be 21 to get in and buy hard liquor. But for some reason, their standards of carding to make sure <laughs> people were 21 were, were pretty relaxed. And, you could uh, make it
3: up the steps. Yes, you, y-
4: you were there. Now, the sad thing is Brothers burned down. Brothers and the Cavalier Club burned down, I think, probably a couple years after, I don't know when it was uh, but that that is no longer in aggie and then the third the fourth place was a place called mel's tavern where you'd get big fish bowls and i think it was more downtown mm-hmm. like on third street or something and we'd go there but that was those are kind of my four that i remember
1: yeah we we touched on this the last uh uh last pod grant and i just did i'll just run through mine quickly Uh, Annie Mays and it might be romanticized post college time I did go there quite a bit when I was in college but it's one of the few places in Aggieville I would still even consider going the original cause before it became the Beliemuth it was uh, you know back when it was just a small yeah Johnny cause yeah Uh, it it started off as a very small bar. I would watch sporting Kansas city games and they actually similar to what you picked up on. I wasn't quite 21 uh, yet, but if, if the sporting was playing a little earlier in the night, you could get in before the bouncer showed up and you know, the bars in Aggieville, they don't ask for IDs because usually you're checked at the door. Uh, Bomb bar, uh, you know, it's a fun place to pregame, you know, just dollar 50 bombs all the time and tubbies. Like I said, you know, if you wanted to get a little wild on the dance floor and, uh, have a little fun that's where i'd go grant real quick
2: oh man i don't even really have much of a top four i love Annie maze i used to love to go to quarters on thursday night for the tacos uh like johnny cause back we used to yeah we'd watch spawning can city games i forgot about that when cause was like tiny and then uh kites country i'd go out on thursday nights to kites country with old Hill occasionally and they'd have like dollar doubles
1: so that was great Uh, Yep, and we'll move on quickly to um, at Mike Murray KS, one of the best boneheads. He's probably going to get a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, for asking questions. So how much of a damper on crowd intensity comes from the fact that smartphones are now, for the most part, working inside stadiums?
3: I think one thing I would say is sometimes people need to put their devices down and experience the
1: game, (laughs) experience
3: what's going on around them. However, I would say with uh, Twitter, texting, and other uh, mediums through your your devices, you can learn things that are going on at the game that you don't necessarily see. Uh, Injuries. What about that replay? Uh, I know there have been times when you and I were in the uh, stadium and Mom would text and say oh, man, they're going to overturn that, you know, and we don't know what's going on when they are huddled up with Mm -hmm. the guy with the orange uh, oven mitts (laughs) out there. And, uh, you know, so you can learn things that's going on around the game that is not apparent when you're right there. But for the most part, I kind of wish everybody would put their devices in their pockets and watch the game and experience it.
4: Uh, me too. Now Grant knows this. I am very down on the fact that the what I call the distraction devices uh, uh, have, have have basically uh, kind of I don't know overrun or uh, I, I'll just say it. I think you young people, you know, watch those devices or are tied to them way too too much. You know, I mean, there's. Uh, Sometimes it's good just to have nothing but enjoy what's around you, you know, to what I call to be, to do, to enjoy in life and not just be distracted by always wanting to look at that phone or device.
1: I, I think a lot of the stuff you all have said is true, but I think a bigger uh, reason why stadium atmospheres across the board have gone down it's not the rise of the smartphone but the rise of hd television now you can set up in your home you can have a great system going and watch five games instead of catching the beginning of an 11 a.m game drive up catch your game and maybe catch pac-12 after dark i don't think that that's necessarily smartphones are the biggest reason and then, as I said, I've said a couple times on this spot, I don't think K-State football has given us a reason to get back to that intensity. So that's what, more where I'm at. But I do think that, you know, there is some validity to the smartphone. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on. Uh, move on. Uh, so the other follow-up part of this from Michael – uh, he, he wanted to ask, with the legalizing and normalizing of sports gambling, do you think we are going to see crowd intensities uh, you know, go through the roof?
3: I don't know if I, I would say it would go through the roof, but I think it will certainly add spice to the fandom experience. I think it will bring uh, new fans that were maybe on the margins – before to sporting events, not necessarily K State sporting events, but but those that uh, will enjoy placing a bet, uh, a prop, uh, and and really bring their focus to a specific game. Um, and I think for us who are true uh, fans of our team, uh, whether it be K State, whether it be sporting Kansas City or the Chiefs, uh, it will add. A little more intensity for us if we decide to put a little wager on an outcome and you know and i think when that happens it will increase the intensity for which we watch our team because not only do we want our team to win we've got a financial stake in it i would
4: i would agree i think it's going to add some intensity but i'm going to tell everyone be very careful years ago when i was in a pool on football I became pretty obsessed, I would have a master list, and I would be up at midnight trying to find out who beat who, and then with the basketball pool, for years I did not get in the NCAA pool because I found that I was cheering for the team I bet on instead of the team I really wanted to win, so I I give you that warning.
1: All right, uh, you know, I actually don't think it's going to do anything for in-stadium. I think the people who are going to show up to games, they're coming to watch their team. The only thing that might change, I think MLS, Major League Baseball, and NBA may allow betting in-stadium and do some in-stadium stuff, so I think that might lead itself, but collegiately, no. I don't don't think there's anything that is going to bring the intensity back into the stadium outside of elite play. Uh, I'm, with you. I'm with Scott on that one. I'm with Scotty boy. All right. All right, and uh, we're, we have uh, three more questions for us here and uh, the pod. We're going to cut number seven due to uh, a pre-planned party going on here at Happy Bassett. So, number four, uh, best game of any sport you have attended with, for us, our fathers, for you guys, your sons. So, Uh, What is the number one game that you guys have attended with us? Uh, Since we're scrambling, I'll give my answer first since I have it right there. Uh, 98, Nebraska. It's the number one sporting event I've ever, uh, you know, bidden to. I do want to throw out two honorable mentions that aren't Case state related. My dad and I were able to go to the sporting – oh, no, 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 no. Based on the look he just gave me, I think he might have that answer, so we'll, we'll kick it to you, Dad. Oh, the, the sporting Kansas
3: City when we won
1: the MLS Cup. U.S. Open Cup. Oh, the U.S. Open Cup,
3: yeah. That, that was on my list, but I thought where you were going to go was our trip – to uh, Pittsburgh in 2016. The problem with that as an answer is the sporting events themselves sucked.
1: Yes, losing we, in heartbreaking fashion to West Virginia, <laughs> and then on Sunday night football, the Chiefs just getting murdered by the Steelers.
3: Yeah, but what a trip that was. This that was a, that was an excellent trip. But the 1998 Nebraska game, uh, it was just you and I. That will always go down. At least to date, as the best that you and I have been to together, now
4: I I look at my little list and I didn't have anything for an answer <laughs> for number four, so I obviously overlooked that. But I think it would. There's just so many that you know. We went to some of those neutral Kansas City Arrowhead games for football with uh, uh, K State, Iowa, Cal we've got the Cotton Bowls and the winds it's it's hard
1: to I'll
2: say just to mix it up 2002 USC was one of my favorite games of all time uh, I've yes. ever been to so we'll go with that
1: one. yep and I I do want to make sure I get in there the 2002 Holiday Bowl our family was at out, oh, out in San Diego yeah, yeah. so that's another fun one and then just one last small little thing. I apologize. I'm breaking my own rules, but the Iowa State game in 2016, where we needed that win to stay alive in bowl eligibility, we were down big at halftime, and I looked at my dad and said, "Exactly what we needed to happen to somehow win." We did it all, but we well, did start to walk out when Iowa State was running out the clock. But those idiot Cyclones, they Paul are Rome's so dumb. Paul got fired. Yes, kept running the ball instead of. Uh, You know, taking the knee, fumbling it. That was a great memory with my dad. The final two questions come from our buddy SL Keck. This is just for the dads. Uh, Just real quickly, what is your greatest (laughs) K State football memory before Snyder?
3: Okay, I've I've got this one. Uh, My my senior year uh, was 1982. Yeah. And uh, that was. Nicky red shirted. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what what happened. Uh, We had a really good senior class. For our football team, and he threw the dice and redshirted the bulk of that senior class. So my senior year, we stunk. We only won two games, but that paid off the next year. Yeah. In in uh, in '82, they won six games, Good went six bowl. four and one, went to the first ever bowl game, the Independence Bowl, and lost, I believe, fourteen to three. But he rolled the dice, he won, and it got him to a bowl game. That was, that was the best pre-Snyder memory.
4: And I don't have a lot of pre-Snyder football memories, but my freshman year, or I guess it was my sophomore year, we went out to Colorado. I was a yell leader. There was snow all over the benches. Colorado wasn't that good either, but we had a big win at Colorado. And that's about, the, that's about the best there is. Yeah.
1: And the final question for the first annual dad pod, what was your reaction when Bill Snyder was hired at K-State? I was happy somebody took the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was
3: cautiously hopeful because he was an offensive coordinator of a really good team in the Big Ten. He uh, was very successful. Um, mm-hmm. But basically with as poor as we were the state of our program at that time you couldn't get much lower so I was happy you took the job and I was cautiously optimistic
4: I have a good story with this because at that time Jeff Schemmel was the assistant athletic director and Steve Miller of Nike was the athletic director. Now Jeff and I went to K-State together and we also went to Washburn Law School together so Jeff had a bunch of K-Staters get together out at the Topeka Country Club because they were trying to sell season tickets. And Jeff and Steve Miller and I sat, and I think my wife Shelley was there, and Jeff Blatt said, hey, we hit a home run on this guy. We interviewed all these guys, and we were about to hire so-and-so, but at the last minute, Coach Snyder put his name in the hat and we interviewed him and he blew us away and he said we have really got a guy that is a heck of a coach and so uh, with that I said okay put us down for two season tickets I got about four other couples together we got like 10 season tickets in section four on the west side and the rest was history
1: <laughs> I'm still sitting there yeah. well that's perfect uh First off, I want to thank you guys for coming out. It's a great early father's day, hopefully tradition. Hopefully this pod keeps going and I'd love to get together with you guys next year. Uh, you know, I think the next pod is a highly anticipated one. I do want to tease it a little bit. We are going to have our all time bill Snyder team drafts. It'll be team grant versus team Scott. So be sure to tune into the next episode for this. Give us a five-star review Tell, and, uh, You know, give us a prediction. Who do you think will be the first overall pick in the draft? If you do that with a five-star review, we will put your name in the drawing for some of those tickets. We had a couple people, and the consensus was pineapple does not belong on pizza. Shoot. Uh, so we love all you guys out there. Thank you for listening. Uh, Grant, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: Not really. Thanks,
3: dads. Kevin,
1: you guys, final Grant, thoughts? You're welcome. We enjoyed it. Thanks there for you. having us. You bet. Happy
0: Father's
3: Day. Go cats. Happy Father's Day. Yes. Happy Father Day Meet me at the Cathead.
0: was away and he was talking for I knew it and as he grew he'd say I'm gonna be like you dad you know I'm gonna be like you and the cats in the cradle and the He said, thanks for the ball dad Come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do He said, that's okay And then he walked away But his smile never did It said, I'm gonna be like him Yeah, you know I'm gonna be like him And the cat's in the cradle And the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home Dad, I don't know The other day, so much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you, Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I really like, Dad, is the bar of the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man of the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then the other day I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to dad if I can find the time You see my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu But it's sure nice talking to you dad It's been sure nice talking to you And as I hung up the phone it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me my boy was just like me And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then, Dad We're gonna have a good time there Podcast Network.